Blog Talk Radio. Weigh-in Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, January 26th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us online by listening in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Weigh-in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Thanks, Michelle, for the wonderful intro, and I'm trying to get set up here. Sorry, I'm just a minute behind, but we do have Trey Patterson with us tonight. Glad to have Trey back. We have taken, you know, we've been off and on for the last month, ever since football season ended, actually, after the championship games going into the bowls. We just, we've had things pop up one right after the other, so we're glad to say we're back and we're ready to – we're rejuvenated. We're ready to give you a lot of great sports talk. Trey, I don't know about you, but I'm glad you're back, man. Hey, buddy. How's it going, man? Good. You glad to be back? Yeah, man. It's good to be back on the airwaves talking to all of you guys about uh, your football. Recruiting is right around the corner, Tarvin. Uh, it's good to, to be able to get on and talk about this stuff going on, man. Well, I have breaking news that – you know, Florida State's going to have to give Auburn that national championship trophy, Trey. I don't know if you've heard this or not. Uh, breaking news, Auburn wants its, show, wants, its, uh, uh, wants its championship they didn't get. Hey, I was going to start thinking like Alabama fans, you know, the more you hang around them. I mean, why can I not claim that game, man? We could have won. You know, we were there <laughs> at the end. So I'm thinking about claiming this one. Well, I heard Alabama also has claimed the championship, too. So, I mean, you never know, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they, weren't, they weren't ready to play that game against Oklahoma, were they, Trey? That's one of, the, one of the excuses I've heard. Well, you know, I don't know. I want your thoughts about, and I want the listeners' thoughts about this Pro Bowl going on. You know, Goodell was going to cancel this whole entire game. But then here's Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders, Trey, they're picking teams. I don't know what you think about this, but so far I'm, I'm not a very big fan of this game. I have never been a fan of the Pro Bowl, and, and this is not going to change my opinion. In fact, it lessens my opinion <laughs> of the Pro Bowl. I mean, now they're doing some stupid draft. I mean, I could be less interested. Uh, it, it's hard to say, Tarvin, there's absolutely no football on, uh, that I am this disinterested in a football game. But I actually tweeted out a few minutes ago, uh, there, there's nobody tweeting about um, a football game, and, and honestly, even if it's a MAC game on a Tuesday night, you'll see Twitter a buzz just talking about the MAC uh, and that, that that tells you something that there's absolutely nobody online talking about the NFL except for, uh, well, except for the NFL. They're tweeting about the NFL game, but nobody else is, Tarvin. Well, and, and people get on the fans, you know, they're, well, they should care. This is a Pro Bowl, but why should the, when the players really don't care? And I, I don't know if you saw this, but tell me if you've seen 
an over-under for any football game in your lifetime set at 95. That was the over-under in this game. And I was just like, is this is this real? I mean, I've ne- maybe Hawaii, Nevada back in the day was close, but I've never seen anything 95, Trey. So that, that tells me right there there's not going to be much contact if I'm looking at that game, much much defensive want to be there, really. No, nobody wants to get hurt in this game. Nobody nobody wants to be here um, in this game. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that, um, you know, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of press defenses. There's not going to be a lot of hitting in this game. Well, I, I don't even know well, the scores. I'm just watching it, so I don't even know. Well, it's just 7 to nothing. Dion's team's up over Jerry Rice's team right now in the second quarter, which, which has surprised me that there's no scoring, really. But what surprised me more is the defense, the way they've been getting after Drew Brees. And when I said that, he just throws a like a 50-yard touchdown, I think, or, or something like that. But, look, if Drew Brees is back there and he's running for his life most of the night, but that surprised me a little bit. Remember, remember when Cam Newton first came into the league and he made the Pro Bowl? And, you know, nobody tried until he got into the game and they tried to kill him, so – I don't know. Maybe the defense is tired of hearing about how they're not going to try, but they they played well. The defenses for both sides have played well. Now, I have to take your word for for all of the Pro Bowl talk, man. I I don't think I've watched a Pro Bowl since I was thirteen, man. Yeah, is is it is it because it doesn't mean anything to the players, in your opinion? No, I think probably it just doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, you know, what what is the Pro Bowl? Um, you know, it, it's at the end of the season, and so there's a finality to, um, you know, the Pro Bowl. I mean, now they put it in front of the Super Bowl. But the last thing I want to do, Tarvin, is see some in between. I'm, I'm sort of sick of Pro Bowl, uh, of a Super Bowl hype. Uh, yeah, the last thing I want to do is watch some random game that doesn't mean anything before then. Uh, but you know, Tarvin, it's one of those interesting things. Yeah, I watched the World Series, but I just thought, you know, but I, I, you know. I, if, if, sorry, in the World Series, but the All-Star game for baseball. But I just really have no interest in the Pro Bowl. I don't know what it is. And you know what's funny about it? This Pro Bowl tonight, the ratings will be higher, you know, than any other sport throughout the entire year almost. This is Pro Bowl. The NFL draft coming up, Trey, will be up there more, a lot more than hockey, uh, you know, baseball, anything. But – I don't know if, if you've heard that they said this Super Bowl coming up is going to break the record with viewers. How do you think, though, the weather and, and all that's going to impact it? Do you think people want to watch this game for Peyton Manning, or do you think they want to see Sherman, or do you think they want to see a game played in, in bad weather? I think I think they're going to tune in because I think this is going to be a game that people want to see. It's going to be a football type of a game versus a spectacle which is what you see, I think, some of those domes. It's going to look like a football game instead of like a spectacle, uh, which is my problem last year. I mean, you know, just it, the game at Super Bowl just doesn't seem like, sort of like the college national championship where there's, a, you know, the, you just feel the game atmosphere versus the Super Bowl. Sometimes it seems like um, almost almost a circus type event. You know, I, I want to see it for football. I don't want to see it for you know, this spectacle that it's become. So I think this feels a little bit more like a football game to me, Tarvin, because it is going to be outdoors. It's going to be in football weather. You know, you have a, you know the top-rated offense. You have the top-rated defense. And there's a lot of storylines with this game that we haven't seen in years past. Well, one storyline, Sherman versus Peyton Manning. I'll give you a number, and you tell me over, under, how many times Peyton Manning throws Sherman's way, and I'm going to say six. And you tell me over, yeah. under. 
Well, six is high. I mean, I think Sherman averages two to three times a game. So, I mean, six would be extremely high. So, I, I would say it's going to be under under six uh, because he's going to go towards Decker or Walker. The thing is, is it's, will, will Sherman be able to shut down Demarius Thomas, which you have to imagine that Demarius Thomas is going to be the guy that Sherman, you know, Sherman's on all night. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go over on that amount. Wow. I think Peyton Manning. Uh, he's a competitor, and I think he would like nothing more than to shut this guy up. Because if he, if he doesn't throw his way, you're gonna hear Sherman run his mouth again about the reason why Peyton didn't throw because he's the best and he was afraid of him. I think Peyton Manning's gonna do what Colin Kaepernick tried to do on that last play and and go after him. And you know Peyton Manning's not not afraid of anyone. And I, I just think it would him in his legacy even more if he just abused Sherman in this game. Uh, it, I mean, it's not impossible, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things, Kevin, that with the weapons that uh, Peyton Manning has, I just don't see him locking into a receiver that's so well covered. I mean, he's got, you know, the tight end, and he's got two other receivers. I mean, that, Peyton Manning's going to go to where the, the ball is going to be drafted to get, you know, for the guy to be able to. Yeah, and, and we'll break down the Super Bowl. We'll preview that in a few minutes. We're going to move into that. But I want to go over some news real quick with you, Trey. I don't know. We, we talked about this for months, what we thought would happen, and it's finally official. Coker, Florida State's backup quarterback, is transferred to Alabama, and, and you know him better than anybody does. So I just want you to tell me, will he start at Alabama? Will he be effect, as effective as maybe A.J. McCarron was? Well, you know, uh, I guess what I do want to start with by patting this on the back, Carmen, a little bit, because you and I have been talking about this uh, really almost as soon as the season started and Coker lost the job. Uh, we actually, if you recall, uh, I said that Coker would eventually transfer to Alabama, and I was very sad to see um, that happen unless Winston just, you know, unless you know, something came up with his criminal investigation and he would get charged, and maybe Coker stayed around. But, they, you know, he was being, being linked if he lost that job. Uh, to Alabama from the very get-go, and not a lot of people were reporting that. You and I were talking about it very early on, so uh, kudos to you and I for, for that, Tarvin. But uh, the other thing is I think Coker is a, is, a, is a better arm and possibly a better quarterback than McCarron. Um, McCarron might be for Alabama because he's a big play type of guy. Anybody who watched Florida State in the second half when they watched Coker come in, uh, you saw a lot of brilliance. And, you, and what – uh, Jimbo Fisher, you know, this was not, you know, window dressing to get Jameis Winston, um, you know, motivated to start the year. I mean, Coker actually had a shot to beat Winston up until the very end. I mean, that's how close the race was. I mean, if you can think about that for a second, I mean, Winston won the Heisman. You know, so if even if Coker is just a little bit, a little bit less than that, Tarvin, that says an awful lot about Jacob Coker. He took the Heisman Trophy winner to the last practice to make him start. Well, you're right. I mean, he's he's a very good quarterback, and and I I think Nick Saban had this planned a long time because they weren't very aggressive about any quarterbacks in 2014. I think I think he knew, he knew Coker knew it was just one of those formalities. But Alabama lost a lot this year, you know, through you know through the draft and everything. They lost some linemen, some defensive players, but one thing they could not afford to lose was a quarterback. Trey, they had nobody really, and. One of their quarterbacks transferred out, and now they were going to be real short. But this guy's going to come in immediately with all the quarterbacks that were lost in the SEC to be able to go get a potential starter for Florida State. He could have easily been, and you know as well as I do, we we that. 
I think Alabama could be preseason number one or two again just because of this move. Alabama's a contender just because of this this transfer. Without him, I, I think Alabama would lose two or three games easy. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the battle would have been in Alabama between a senior, Philip Sims, who uh, a lot of people who know the Alabama program do not think that he would have been a successful national championship type of quarterback. Um, and then you had, you know, Cornwell, or Cornwall, or uh, I'm getting the guy's name wrong, who was the five-star quarterback. I think he would have been a sophomore this year. Uh, and then that was it. I mean, the, the cover was bare sort of after that, as in guys who they really thought they could start for them. Uh, on another note, Tarvin, the five-star 2015 uh, quarterback that, uh, that Alabama had for next year's class is just decommitted uh, from Alabama and looks like he's going to be a USC pickup. So, you know, i, I got to tell you, that's an interesting move as well uh, for Alabama to lose. You know, they don't have a flaw of five-star guys flipping away from them, so they lost one mm-hmm. in 2015. Uh, I think that probably says a little bit about how well Cornwell, uh, I'm still getting, I'm getting out of the name wrong, correct me, Carvin, but uh, that says a little bit about how his development, what they think about him in Alabama. So it looks like Coker, who's going to come in as a as a junior, Carvin, uh, has got two more years possibly at Alabama, and that, that also says a lot about them, but they really thought about him as well. Yeah, I question, you know, why these, and this is not the only recruit that's left. We There's probably been six or seven commitments from Alabama trade leave since, since that Iron Bowl lost to Auburn, and, and maybe it's it's because of maybe there's something else going on. And is it a, is there a chance? You know, we heard the T-Town menswear talk heating back up, Lane Kiffin coming in. Do you think these players could be just, skeptical about why Alabama would hire Lane Kiffin and all the negative publicity he's received? Well, I, I think the five-star, I think the, the kid's name they just lost, um, I think he, he was really close to Nuss, so I think that may be a little bit uh, of an indication that there, the new coordinator maybe, maybe, maybe pushed him away. But I think a lot of it, I mean, honestly could be, Tarvin, that you know, sometimes uh, you know, you're talking about battling it out for so many five and four stars, and Alabama looks like they could, you know, they, there's a chance they get number one in recruiting again this year. That some of these guys are just thinking, you know, man, hey, why, why would I go do that from a team who may not even be, you know, winning two or three? And maybe the run is over. Maybe, why am I going to go there and be third in the depth chart and maybe have a shot to play? I mean, you know, another big loss they had, Tarvin, and, and it's funny to hear some of the posts on Twitter about these really five-star players and four-star players who are you know, transferring out right now. You know, Alvin Kamara, who was a phenomenal, phenomenal running back coming out of high school, who got lost in the depth chart. And now with Henry's emergence, he was one of the many, I think they signed three five-stars last year. He was one of them at running back. Uh, and it looks like Kamara is going to be traveling, and, and he is transferring, but the suitors for him are UCLA, Florida State, and I think the other one is um, Clemson. So, I mean, it could be possible that, you know, Alabama gets, you know, our big quarterback and we get one of their big running backs. So, who knows? Uh, a lot of things are going on with transfers and certainly recruiting as well, Tarvin. Well, we're going to talk about some recruiting and signing day, what, is February 5th? Is that correct? Or yeah, yeah we're, we're getting close. Very close. And, and I want your opinion, you know, Auburn being in the media, Florida State winning the national championship, is that going to impact recruiting this season, the 2014 season more, or do you think it's going to go for 2015 more? Well, I, I think when it comes down to um, – and I, you know, I talked about this a little bit with some of the viewers when they're talking about 
know, oh, I'm an SEC guy. I root for SEC no matter what. Well, you really don't want to do that, especially when you're talking about one of your rivals. And probably I'm getting a little feedback from you. I just want to let you know. Uh, but, you know, Tarvin, it's one of those things that you really will see a, a sort of a cause and effect when it comes down to, say, let's say, Georgia and Alabama and Florida, who, you know, who all are battling for recruits, even LSU with Auburn, they're going to steal some of these recruits this year because they're going to be recruits who think that they can be the, the X factor for next season, Tarvin. And in 2015, it affects as well because you will get early commitments based on, you know, hey, this program is going somewhere. Look what they just were. Florida State just won the national championship. You know, what, what, they have a shot to go on their own little run now. You have other recruits who are saying, hey, Auburn looks like they could be the beast in the West now. I'm going to go on there. It looks like Alabama might be going down. So you just don't know. These things do affect recruiting. You talk to recruits who made big decisions. You look at Reuben Foster last year. Alabama's national championship affected him when he, he, he went away from Auburn. You just can't put too little, I guess, stock in this stuff, Tarvin. It really does matter. Well, there's a, there's a, I think 2015, Auburn's going to finish this year, I believe, with a top five class, which that's phenomenal. But I think the 2015 class could shape up to be the biggest in their school's history. But there's a player out there, Rashawn Evans. I don't know if you know much about him. He's like the number one linebacker. He's a five-star. He's down between Alabama, Auburn, UCLA, Trey. Uh, he's from Auburn, actually. And looking at Alabama's depth chart, I see a lot of linebackers out there, and Auburn's a place that could come. He could come in and play the star position, and and actually get a lot of playing time. So, who do you think this kid ends up being with? And this could really change Auburn's recruiting class if they land this kid. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to say based on you know 2015. I think a lot of people think that um, you know commitment now means a commitment later, and and it doesn't. You know, it's, I think next season is going to be a large determining factor for him. Auburn certainly is in the driver's seat. I think when it comes down to his recruitment, uh, he has made some connections down at Auburn. I think he had a visit recently that he enjoyed, if I recall correctly, Tarvin. I'm looking at the right guy. Uh, so, I mean, a lot to be said for when it comes down to um, the 15 class. But, you know, you certainly make a lot of inroads now uh, for two years later, which is the 15, 15 class. Well, the Tennessee Volunteers, Trey, are currently, I'm looking at CBS, 247 Sports. They're at number six, and it seemed they were at number one, and they just keep dropping a little bit after, you know, just a little bit at a time down to six. They have 33 commitments. Where do you see them on signing day? It doesn't look like they have room to sign anyone else. So do you think they could fall out of the top ten, or do you think they'll stay around six? Yeah, I'm looking at uh, excuse me, at the, the, the 2014-24-7 uh, recruiting. They're at number four, as you said, Tarvin. I think they're going to drop a little bit because they really don't have the big signings yet left. I mean, they're kind of done with their recruiting. 32 total recruits, 14 four-stars. I mean, let's be honest, Tennessee has been hitting home runs left and right in recruiting, but I don't think they're going to finish in the top five, Tarvin. They're going to, they're going to stay in the top ten, absolutely for sure. But Florida State is looking at possibly landing a couple more five-stars. Uh, so they're going to leave. They're at number five. They're they're going to probably go up. They have a shot right now. There are, I guess, four schools uh, that could finish number one in recruiting, and they're not one of them, Tarvin. It's A&M, Ohio State, Alabama, and Florida State, all who have a legitimate shot to finish number one, 24-7 uh, recruiting rankings. So Tennessee is going to drop out. Both LSU and Auburn have a shot at getting in that top five. Uh, and then even Florida's a dark horse to get in there at number eight, Tarvin. So a lot to be said for recruiting. 
Well, I think Auburn will end up easily in the top five. But it's hard because Alabama, Ohio State, and Florida State, and teams like that, they're cemented right now, and they have a a little room to grow. Florida State with 29 commits right now. I don't know what rankings you're looking at, but on 247 where I'm looking, Florida State's number four, and they moved up. They moved up one, actually. So A&M's down to five, Tennessee's down to six, Auburn's at seven. But – I mean, is there a team out there right now? We're going to get in-depth with the recruiting before the signing day, but is there a team you're watching out there that could make a push and possibly get into the top ten? Well, yeah, oddly enough, I mean, I'm looking at 24-7, too, and it shows different for me, so I don't know what's going on with their website. But uh, looking at um, you know, the 24-7, Tarvin, you know, teams that could get in the top ten, you know, you're looking at possibly Clemson at 12, and this is based on what I'm looking at. And Georgia at 11. I think they have the best shot because they're so close. And they have a couple of guys. Both of them are still waiting on, on guys. And another class has got to be shocking, Tarvin, is where Kentucky is. I mean, are you shocked that Kentucky is in the top 15? I am. I mean, I know they had a coaching change, Trey, but to, to be able to recruit like they're doing at Kentucky, a basketball school, is amazing. And when I look at Kentucky, I just – I don't see them being a contender, but if they if they keep recruiting like this for three or four years and they can land top 15 classes, Trey, I think they're going to be a contender in the East. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and Tarvin, you're talking about, you know, recruiting rankings and that kind of stuff. You know, it, it is it does matter if you could win the recruiting battle and get that number one. That's why I think it's so important for the four schools who um, legitimately, if you talk to the folks, and we're going to try to get a couple guys on, uh, in the next week, I'm working on some of that. Uh, those are the four teams that most people talk about being able to get. Uh, you know, Tarvin, talking about A&M, and you know whether they've dropped or whether they've gone up. You know, they have three legitimately um, elite prospects. They're all five stars, and you know, and they have possibly the best defensive player, the best quarterback, and maybe even the best receiver in, in the entire recruiting nation. So Texas A&M, uh, if you're a you know an Aggie, you got to be happy with the fact that you know this post Manziel. A&M, it looks pretty talented, some of the guys they have coming in. So they might be okay, Tarvin. You might have a true freshman that's already getting quarterback next year for A&M. I wouldn't put it past this guy they just signed. Well, let's talk about Florida State a minute. With the loss of defensive coordinator Pruitt to Georgia, I mean, how is this going to impact Florida State's final class? Are you looking at any maybe decommitments at signing day, some flips, surprises? I'm already hearing a couple for a one exactly maybe going to Auburn. I just want to hear what you're you're hearing about the recruiting front because Pruitt is the best recruiter in Florida State, and so I just wanted to see what you thought. Yeah, I think you're you're referring to Trayon Harris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Trayon Harris is an athlete. Certainly, the, the he's a quarterback in high school. He played a little bit of defense as well, but he's a lot of people are are looking at him as a as a receiver type. Uh, offensive weapon. That's why Damian Craig has been recruiting him so well. Uh, he, he had he's an odd guy, Tarvin, because when, after his visit for Florida, uh, which was like about a week ago, everybody came out of that saying, "Oh, well, Trayon Harris formed a bond with a recruiter. Looks like he's going to Florida." And then he goes to Auburn the next week, and you hear the exact same stuff. So what happens with Trayon Harris? I think is anybody's guess. Whether it's Florida, Auburn, or whether he stays at Florida State, you know, JJ Casenti, who is a, a big four-star recruit coming into Florida State quarterback, I think is affecting Trayon Harris's um, thoughts, you know, because I think he wants to play quarterback. So, you know, you have to think about that. But, you know, talking about whether guys are decommitting on the defensive side, Tarvin, honestly, so far, no. And I, I expected a couple 
um, big-time guys. So far, no, but, you know, you never know with these guys flipping on recruiting day. Uh, I would expect that Florida State would lose at least one or two defensive players for sure, just based on who it leaving. Well, I'm going to tell you a team, and you tell me if, if you're surprised. The Miami Hurricanes, they might be at 10 on your list, but they're number 11 on mine. Being able to, to put a class like this together with a five-star, seven, four-stars, 18-3, but Golden just showing, man, he can recruit. I mean, with Miami, the way their season ended the second half, I think being a top-10 recruiting class would be amazing for this program right now. Yeah, I mean, Miami, top-10 or top-11, however you have them, uh, you know, they're nine and some boards. You know, you got to be impressed with what Golden's doing, especially Tarvin. you got to think about, especially the fact that, that these guys, um, with Golden and the whole Penn State rumors, yet some of these guys actually took Florida State visits uh, but and even Florida visits. So I think that if they keep all of their guys, uh, that'll be a surprise. I'll tell you, the one team that I think is going to drop out of the top ten or top 11 is going to be Miami. I think uh, they're five-star, and even a couple fours might flip on recruiting day. Yeah, when you look at Stanford, Trey, I mean, are you are you surprised that this team is number 16? They went up 10 spots, though. They're at 16 now, but they only have seven four-stars, ten three-stars. I mean, how is Stanford going to continue to, to dominate in the Pac-12 with mediocre recruiting classes? I mean, this is low, in my opinion, for a, where a Stanford program should be. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Stanford that's really hard is they're actually one of the toughest schools in the nation to get admitted to. So before a recruit can even sign, he has to actually get pre-admitted to Stanford. Um, so this is not a school where, you know, you think, well, the SEC or, or some other school, almost any other school in the nation, there really isn't a stringent requirement. A kid recruits and they see if they make the grades, they make the, you know, the low grades, the 2.0, uh, and most schools will take you. Uh, with Stanford, it's much harder, Tarvin. So that one of the reasons they don't get a lot of these recruits is because of the top, you recruit really has to want to go to Stanford uh, and, and to get past all these requirements and through all these hoops. Uh, you know, you have to have a, a guy who's really committed to wanting to play there. So Stanford has a different different sort of ordeal than a lot of these other schools do, and it's one of the reasons why you see um, their recruiting being so much different. Well, you know, you know, you hear a lot of people thinking, you know, Auburn lost the championship game, and and they think the SEC may be falling apart now. But I look at the top twenty-five rankings here, and I'm seeing ten SEC teams ranked in the top twenty-five. Trey, I, I just don't see them slowing down right now if they keep this steam up. When you have Kentucky, like you talked about, you know, recruiting, taking players away from possibly Alabama. You have Ole Miss at thirteen. You have Georgia at ten. Florida nine. Auburn. Seven, A and M five, Tennessee six. I mean, how is anybody going to really take over from top to bottom a conference like this with with numbers like this? This is simply amazing. Yeah, I think seven of those are in the top ten, if I'm counting correctly, Tarvin. So I mean, certainly the SEC is, is still the dominant conference. And I, you know, I don't know that anybody who legitimately uh, who I have give any credit to is, is saying they're not. Um, and you see that on recruiting day. I mean, guys are still. Um, heading to the SEC, and they will be heading to the SEC uh, to play football, except for, of course, uh, the other programs, which which are very SEC-like. I mean, Florida State, of course, has a shot at winning the national championship when it comes to recruiting as well. You, know, you have Miami up there, who um, I think they're going to drop. You know, you have Notre Dame, who's still recruiting very well, uh, which says something about their program being on the upswing. You know, Texas is in the top 15. Uh, yeah, so you have a lot of people who are these schools who are still competing. You know, 
Tom, let me ask you this. Are you surprised at USC's numbers? Well, you know, they had the coaching change and everything. Sarkeesian came in and just got a five-star for next year. It's not this year, but, yeah, I mean, usually Southern Cal closes late. You'll see them have five or six five-stars at signing day, but this year I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Am I surprised? Yes, because Southern Cal, every year I can remember, even back in the Carroll days, I mean, they're a top-five recruiting class year in and year out. To not even have a five-star trade committed to them. That, that that has to be concerning. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was going through this uh, preparing for the show, and I, I don't think you can go back maybe 15 years. And, and, I mean, it just seems like they almost have a five-star every single year. And so for them not to have a five-star recruit and only have eight four-stars and they only have 15 recruits total, I mean, yeah, they just stole the five-star you know quarterback recruit out of Alabama, so that, that's for 2015. Uh, but, you know, for this year, Tarvin, I mean, you know they're going to need to put together a good football a football team and actually show recruits to come back to USC because UCLA is actually out recruiting them I and mean, they're the ones who are competing with Alabama for recruits. I mean you know minus that, that five star quarterback. And so you know it's just weird to me when I look at USC and I think about you know you you look at all the teams of the new hot coaches. I mean even in Kentucky we just talked about. I mean how Sarkeesian may, may not be building enough buzz there for recruits. Right. I'm going to tell you something and, and see what you, you feel about this one. TCU to me at number 50, and they, they got into the top 50. They jumped from 62 to 50 in a week, but no four stars, no five stars, three six or 16 three stars. Do you think going to this conference really killed TCU? Because if you remember before this, it seemed like maybe they recruited better. They had some four stars, but now having to compete with the Texas, Oklahoma's a lot in conference. Is TCU in trouble? I mean, they, they don't look good at all in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, you got to worry about that program. It certainly has not seemed to gone, um, you know, the, the way it should. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of schools that kind of surprise me uh, when you talk about recruiting numbers. I mean, you, I mean right now you have um, – Iowa State around the same area as TCU. So, I mean, where is TCU's program really going? Um, doesn't look too good to me. I mean, I think Cincinnati's <laughs> out recruiting them right now in Kansas State and South Florida. And, by the way, um, South Florida and Central Florida, I don't know if you've been watching their recruiting, Carvin, but they've been stealing some guys. Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, Central Florida had a guy get decommit from Wisconsin to go to Central Florida or South Florida or Central Florida, one of the two. So, I mean, that's – that's strange to me. You have a Wisconsin running back program. You know they just put you know put running backs into the NFL, and you have a you know running back recruit going down to Florida and South Florida to play. So it surprises me how well they're recruiting as well. Yeah, that's a great point. And there's two teams, and maybe you think different, but Missouri, Michigan State, to me, those two teams with you know Missouri, the season they had, making it to the SEC championship game, winning the Cop Bowl, Michigan State winning the Big Ten and winning the Rose Bowl, why are these guys not picking up momentum? I mean, they're at 34 and 35. Neither team has signed a five-star. Two four-stars for Michigan State, three four-stars for Missouri, Trey. You look at Tennessee and teams like that with 15 or 16 of them. Why is Missouri and Michigan State struggling? Yeah, I mean, I think Missouri may be the last team in the SEC right now in recruiting. I mean, it it, it is surprising given the fact that Missouri actually has put, it, put a lot of people, especially when talking about defensive linemen into the NFL, that they're not recruiting better with the momentum they should have. 
you know, it's just these things just show you a little bit of interest about what you know what recruits are thinking about um, with these you know with these teams. I mean, Missouri has picked up absolutely zero steam from that championship or that championship game. Excuse yeah, me. yeah, that's, I, that surprised me. I think both of these teams should be starting to haul in some major recruits. And, and, you know, I hear Nebraska fans. I know your wife's Nebraska fans, but they're going to be back to relevance shortly. I mean, you keep hearing that with both Pelini, but here they are with two four-stars and 18 three-stars, Trey, with the class. I mean, I know recruiting is not everything, but it's a good indicator of how good programs are. Nebraska at 36, is that surprising to you? Do you think they should be in the top 20? Well, I mean, they should be based on who Nebraska is. I mean, Nebraska is certainly a storied franchise with a lot of national champions. I mean, uh, they've won just as many national championships in, you know, our lifetimes, a lot of big-name schools. So, I mean, they should be up there. But, I, you know, I, I question the remaining of Bo Pelini, and I think a lot of recruits might as well. I mean, I don't know. Um, this guy's been notorious for sort of uh, kicking off recruits. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Nebraska had some big decommitments last year. Uh, around this time, and so and it was all sort of attributable to uh, the coaching staff and their their vibe they were getting. So perhaps you know they made a mistake by not taking out Bo Pelini. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Pelini struggles recruiting. I think sitting in the living rooms of these recruits' house, the parents and everything. I think he has a hard time, you know, being that kind of man. Like a Nick Saban can walk into a house and people bow down to him where this guy probably comes in and everything is awkward. So how long is Nebraska going to keep holding on to him? Because, Trey, looking at their recruiting class the last few years, you're not going to get back to relevance and, and playing in that final four with recruiting classes like this. No, not at all. No, I think this time, like I said, I thought it was this year. I think we'll see it probably next year, Tarvin. Uh, but, you know, another sort of upswing, interesting-wise, is, is the sort of thing you're talking about Baylor. Uh, they're not recruiting as well as I thought they would either. You know, I didn't expect them to get a bunch of five stars, but I did expect more four stars in that Baylor. You know, they. I mean, you talk talking about, you know, offense. They really molded that school around Oregon, I and mean, then even the, the school colors and the way they design their, you know, the uniforms change all the time. They seem to, you know, steal, um, you know, players from the Oregon type of scheme. You would think that they would be recruiting sort of similarly now as they're getting all the national press they did. Sort of like Oregon, but they're not. They're just, you know, they're not recruiting there. Well, if I was a, if I was an athlete, trade deciding between Baylor and Oregon, I would have to choose Baylor. Honestly, being the, the weather in Baylor, I mean, I know it's hotter, but it's Oregon some bad weather. But these guys can play some football. They do have a five star trade, three four four stars and twenty four three stars. But I want to ask you about the Oregon Ducks. You you mentioned them. They're at twenty two with no five stars. How has Oregon, how has this Chip Kelly departure to the NFL really affected this team? Do you think it's going to kill them in the next couple of years? Because I just don't see Helfrich, the type of coach you can be able to recruit with some of these big boys in the Pac-12. There's some great recruiters in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing about Oregon is they're sort of, they've never been a team who we've seen historically in the top five, even under Chip Kelly, where they're not a team who we saw in the top five every year. But I think they were higher than they are now. So, yeah, I think this season, if if this is a team, Oregon, that gets back to the championship type of numbers where they, they get into that sort of fantastic four uh, area and they and they make that national exposure again and they show that they're back, 
which I think they might. I think you'll see a difference in recruiting next year. Because uh, you certainly, they are low. I mean, absolutely, they're lower than they should be uh, when you talk about national prestige where the Oregon program is. Well, I'm going to tell you a team that, that people need to watch out for in recruiting the rest of the year and, and actually on the field in 2014, Trey, and that's Notre Dame. I mean, Kelly's done a great job coaching there. They're bringing their – what's his name, the quarterback that was suspended that came back? What's his name? Just Ever, Everett. Slipped. Everett, maybe? Golson. Everett Golson, yeah. Golson, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with him being there with the team, the foundation Kelly's built, I mean, they have 15 four-stars in this class. And, and I think that's right. Yeah, 15 four-stars. I think Notre Dame could be a team, looking at their schedule, it's always – on paper, tough. I mean, this could be a team that could close out in the top five in recruiting and be and be hell on people next year, Trey. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame is going to be a very interesting team next year. I mean, they play Florida State. They sort of start that SEC, excuse me, the ACC schedule. Uh, they're going to be uh, intriguing because they got a lot of talent there. Tyler, the other thing that I want to ask you about is uh, an ACC team. That's why I slipped up there. Uh, UVA, uh, they have, I think, what, two five-stars. Uh, at Virginia, that's a, I mean, that, does that surprise you? Because I'm a little shocked by a little bit of the talent that Virginia is getting. Well, I mean, Virginia seems like here in the last few years been producing more talent, and, and maybe it's just these kids want to stay at home. But yeah, I'm I'm surprised they get two five stars, and that's saying a lot if you can grab two five stars in the class. And they're at 31, which is not bad for a Virginia team in the ACC, but how are they getting them? Do you know? Are they paying good, or, or do you think it's what I said, that the, that the players are wanting to stay at home? Because, you know, these kids grow up Virginia and Virginia Tech fans, one of the two, kind of like Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Florida State. And sometimes these guys are just loyal to their team. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Virginia is they have always had um, the ability to um, – in the state, I'm talking about produce talented players. I mean, you go through – it's one of the recruiting grounds that a lot of schools are trying to get a hold of. Uh, but for them to go out and they got uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew Brown, again, homegrown, as you said, homegrown defensive tackle. Uh, he stays there. And then they got the kid, the defensive back, Blanding, uh, from Virginia Beach. And I think Blanding and Brown, if you include them in, in that defense, I mean, Virginia might actually – start an upswing. I don't, I don't know if they're going to compete in the ACC next year. They just don't have the offensive you know, talent yet. Uh, but certainly, yeah, yeah, right. A couple guys stay home. Uh, and in Virginia, they can get better and get relevant in the ACC by just recruiting at home. Well, Trey, you look at the top ten teams in recruiting, and I know we're about to move off recruiting, and we'll, we'll get some experts on this show to, to discuss it. But there's a huge gap in the top ten and the rest of them. I mean, why is that? You know, people talk about parity, but it's not parity anymore in college football. The rich keep getting richer, and and I, I just don't understand how some of these teams like Oregon, Stanford, UCLA, and Arizona State, South Carolina can't get five-star athletes to come to their program. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point, Tarvin. I mean, I, I don't really know, but you're right. There is, there is some disparity. There's a drop-off at some point uh, in the recruiting trail from some of these schools. Uh, but Tarvin, give me before we we head off um, we head off uh, of you know National Signing Day and recruiting. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you, I guess, two questions. One is, is uh, you know, according to 24/7 Sports, the top recruit who is yet to commit is Adore Jackson, a cornerback. Uh, give me your prediction of where Jackson lands. 
Where, what are his choices? They were his leaders. Florida, Florida, USC, Tennessee, LSU, and Oklahoma are, I think, uh, his top five. He's got, just to sort of give you his, um, his, his, his stats, he just had an in-home visit on the 17th, or a, sorry, excuse me, an official visit with LSU, his last visit so far. Uh, I mean, the teams you named right there, Oklahoma or LSU, could get this guy. And whoever has the last visit, really, will probably land a kid. I haven't done much research on him. I do remember the name, but the last few weeks I haven't really followed it, Trey. So I'm just going to guess, and I'm going to say, Jackson, he's the number seventh-rated player out of all the 247 rankings. I'm going to say LSU, Trey. I think I agree with you. I'm predicting LSU as well. And, Tarvin, so who do you think wins the signing day overall? Who who goes home with the the national recruiting title? Mm, that's a tough one. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ohio State. Wow, Ohio State. Yeah, they have a couple of guys they're still waiting on. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, it's hard to pick, to pick against Alabama with the guys they still have left on the board, and they got four or five stars in this class. I think Bama gets it, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State makes a run at them on National Signing Day. They have, they're still waiting on a lot of guys in this class, so I, I think uh, Florida State might get there. Well, I would say Auburn trade, but there are only a couple they can pick up left because of the numbers. I don't understand how. Tennessee and some teams can do 33, and Auburn's right now at 21, and they're at a, a capacity right now. They're at the max. So the numbers do affect recruiting. And I'm going to give you my top five right now, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida State, Auburn, and LSU. Those are my final five, Trey. Yeah, I think it's going to be Bama, Florida State. I think uh, my number three is going to be – uh, A&M, Ohio State, and I got LSU at five. I think that's where they're going to settle at least. Uh, A&M, man, I'm just, I'll tell you, I think possibly the best kid in the entire nation could be that receiver going to uh, A&M. Speedy Noyle, I don't know if you watched him in the Under Armour game, but he was phenomenal uh, against the nation's best recruits. I think he could be just a game changer at LSU, better than Mike Evans. Where, where would Auburn go, Trey? They're at seven right now. If they picked up three five-stars by signing day, where do you think that'll land them? Three more five-stars. They're at two right now. And I know Evans is going to sign with Auburn, I believe. I'm pretty sure about that. But I think there's some surprises, what I'm hearing with the coaching staff and some chatter going on. Where would they land if they could pick up a total of five five-stars? Oh, two or three for sure. I don't think they can get to one, but they can get to two or three. Yeah, and that's that's huge. You look at Auburn, they're not the state school Alabama is, but I'm going to say this. If Alabama doesn't make the final four this year, Trey, if they don't get into these playoffs, I think you're going to start, and I say if Auburn does, I think you're going to start seeing the shift in the state go towards Auburn more in recruiting. The state of Alabama seems to be going Auburn's way and everything, but I think this is Alabama. This is the year you have to circle for this this dynasty, you know, you call Alabama, Trey, if they slip up on the field like they did this year and carry that negative momentum from the Auburn and Oklahoma games onto this year, it could be trouble for them in recruiting in the future. Yeah, I mean, like I said, man, making the title game for Auburn could be a big deal when it comes to recruiting. Uh, and you'll see it in those battles between, you know, when you have a kid, you know, in-home, excuse me, an in-state kid 
you know, who can if, if Auburn and Alabama can keep him in the state, and if you know it starts swinging toward Auburn, uh, you know these things are cyclical, Tarvin. You could see a, a difference there. Well, we're going to take a just a break off our sports. We're through with recruiting for tonight, Trey. But I want to announce Wednesday night live at 9 p.m. Eastern. Marquise Grissom, the old Atlanta Braves star, is going to be with us on the show, and he's going to take some calls from the fans out there and talk some baseball. So just wanted your thoughts on Marquise Grissom. I remember him from my high school days watching the Braves when they won that first World Series. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if you're a Braves fan and you don't remember who he is, man, you're still scratch your head because he was a Braves great for sure. Yeah, what he's doing in the community here in Atlanta is phenomenal. He's going to talk about that, discuss some current events in baseball, and just this is a four-time Gold Glove winner. So I'm excited to have him on the show. And then the call-in number tonight, if you'd like to reach us, 646-716-5564, 646-716-5564. Join us in the chat room if you get a chance to. Trey, we've got to build our momentum back up. We've had a a few off weeks, but man, I'm glad to be back on. But one thing that's heating up right now in college basketball, I don't know if you've, you've watched much college basketball. I know a lot of people start paying attention to basketball once football's over, Trey. But, I mean, tell us your thoughts of college basketball so far. We're about 18 games through. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't. I have not been keeping up, keeping up with basketball at all. So. Uh, I don't know much about what's going on in basketball other than I can look I looked at rankings uh, earlier in the season about all I've seen. Well, would it surprise you if I told you North Carolina was not even in the top twenty five? Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me. I know they've been playing pretty poorly <laughs> and they beat they beat ranked teams but lose to all the unranked. So I, I did keep up with that a little bit. Well, I mean, there's there's a team, there's a couple of teams up at the top, Trey, and they look like juggernauts right now. We have Arizona at number one, eighteen and zero. Syracuse number two, at eighteen and zero. And then there's a team in there, and you know, Wichita State made the Final Four last year. They look like a very good team. They're nineteen and zero, Trey, and they're ranked number five. They're behind Villanova, which got blew out of the water by Creighton the other night in Michigan State. Do you think Wichita State's being disrespected right now? Well, I mean, undefeated, uh, but you got to look at the competition. Certainly, Wichita State, I think they're going to keep moving up. I mean, obviously, with Villanova um, losing to Creighton, and then after that, they, get, they beat Marquette, of course. But you, know, you got to talk about, I mean, Wichita State's going to keep moving up, but you've got to be, um, I mean, Michigan State lost as well to Michigan. Michigan beat three straight top ten teams. Uh, so they're going to move up to that three spot, you know, pretty securely. Well, I can say this right now with confidence. This is probably going to be the strongest, strongest bracket I've seen in a long time. When you look at one through three seeds, Trey, it's going to be stacked this year. It's going to be very tough to get through this field. And the Florida Gators right now at 15-2, and two, ranked number six. And then you have Kentucky in the SEC, ranked 14th. But tell me. Tell me, Trey, why the SEC in basketball sucks. I mean, I've watched the quality of play. I watch Mississippi State versus Florida or something. Then I turn it over and watch Syracuse play, and it's just like just the atmosphere is so different when you watch some of these good teams play. But the SEC, the crowds are really dead unless you, you watch Florida and Kentucky play. Why is that? Well, I mean, let's be honest. The SEC right now isn't uh, anywhere near the top when it comes to you know, the best conferences in basketball. 
Uh, in fact, you're talking about RPI, you know, sort of like the strength of schedule, and, you know, the SEC would rule that in football. Uh, in basketball, it's totally different. I mean, the SEC is seventh, Tarvin. That, that's where they sit uh, in RPI and in, in conference standings. They're behind the Atlantic 10, the ACC, the Big East, the Pac-12, the Big 10, and the Big 12. I mean, they're down there uh, around the American Athletic Conference in strength. So, I mean, it's just a different ball game for basketball in the SEC. They're just not as talented as other schools. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, they, they're like the Conference USA of college football, if you want to call them that. If it wasn't for Kentucky and Florida, I mean, I thought Missouri would make a push, trade coming into the SEC. Well, they've gotten worse. Maybe they need to go back to the Big 12 and, and play basketball because I watched Auburn play yesterday, and, man, it, it almost made me throw up watching games like this. So, in college basketball, when it comes to that, I'm a fan of college basketball, of course, I like to watch the Syracuse versus Villanova's, the Arizona UCLA game, stuff like that. It's just so much more into it. You know, the fans are into it. But the SEC is going to have to figure out a way. Maybe the SEC network will help, but to get relevant and get in basketball. You look at the coaches outside of the SEC, you see some phenomenal names. But in the SEC, there's like two coaches Billy Donovan and uh, what's Kentucky's coach, Calipari. That's really about it, Trey. I don't think the coaches want to come to the SEC. That's how bad this conference is. And maybe maybe coaches don't want to come and get overshadowed by football. Maybe that's a problem. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you talked about, you know, the SEC and where they are. I mean, yeah, other than, you know, you look at their head-to-head versus other conferences, it's just not impressive. I mean, against the American Athletic Conference, they're 5-5. Five and five. I mean, that's not where you want to be from strength-wise in a conference. And I should tell you, you know, 4-9 against the Big 12 this year. I mean, they're just not producing against good, a good competition this year. And it's not only this year. It's, it's every year for the for the SEC. They're just not ready to compete. Uh, and I don't know why, Carmen. You would think that they could get, uh, you know, top athletes and top coaches, but they just can't. Well, I think it's, in my opinion, is the football is so important in all of these schools, except Kentucky, of course, and Florida. They love their basketball, too. But the 90% of the focus, all the money, is all about football, football, football. And you look at it, and it shows in basketball or baseball. South Carolina was real good in baseball. There's some good teams, LSU, Florida. But they're just not dominant anymore. But there's two teams that are ranked, and those two teams, Kentucky right now, 13-4, and four, They've played a gauntlet of an out-of-conference schedule. Their losses have been tough losses. Remember that Michigan State game early in the season? they played some good teams, North Carolina, Louisville, teams like that. This team keeps getting better and better when I watch them play, Trey. They're, they're starting to spread the ball out more and score. Kentucky and Florida are two teams that could end up being Elite Eight teams, easy, possibly Final Four teams, and that's the only two I see in the SEC that can make any noise. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, those are the only two that that could seriously make any noise uh, in the SEC when it comes down to the tournament. Um, You know, but it's kind of one of those things. You talk about top 25 uh, wins, Tarvin. The SEC has four of them, I think, if I'm right. And and Kentucky doesn't have any of them. So, I mean, you know, it it tells you a little bit about where the SEC is right now. You're talking about how many schools get in to the tournament. I mean, I think you're talking about maybe three, maybe four. but, yeah, it's going to be a struggle for the SEC in tournament this year uh, if you're not Florida or Kentucky. So, lastly, Michigan, you know, you talked about them. Well, they they were beaten three top ten teams or something like that in a row. 
this is the same time of year. It seemed like Michigan started playing better last year. We have to watch out for this team, don't we, when it comes to the tournament time because they carry that championship game experience with them and momentum. They can make some noise when March rolls around again. Yeah, they absolutely could. I mean, you're talking about uh, a Michigan team that just got three straight big TV uh, top ten teams. That's incredible, Tarvin. It really is. I mean, you really can't say enough about that Michigan basketball program. Uh, they need a really tough Michigan State program this week. But, I mean, Tarvin, this this team, I think, is built to basically go into the tournament and do well. I mean, maybe Iowa, Michigan State, and Wisconsin, all three um, very, very tough basketball schools. So you, you have to think about uh, Michigan being a very good dark horse to win this, win it all maybe. I mean, they're, they're, they're that talented, and they can make that kind of run. I don't think they will, Tarvin, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make a lot of noise in the tournament. Well, look at the look at their schedule. I mean, their two losses. There's two losses came in November at Iowa State, November 17th, versus Charlotte, November 24th. And then guess what? They go on the road to Duke December 3rd and lose that one by 10. And December 14th, they play number one Arizona and lose that 72 to 70. But ever since then, they beat Stanford. Holy Cross, Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State. I mean, that's very impressive. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, it's tough. I mean, they still play a ranked Iowa team, which I think is a little overrated. Ohio State ranked, Wisconsin ranked, Michigan State ranked. But the last four games of the season, if they can pull that out and do good in the conference, they'll be a pretty good seed going into that NCAA tournament. So that's a team that I'm going to keep an eye out for is Michigan. I mean, these guys are starting to get hot, and, and we saw them last year what happened when they got hot. Yeah, man, I'm, I agree 100%. Well, all right, it's rare, but but we do agree. And welcome Bruce in the chat room and the scorekeeper, Roger Noriega from NDB Media, is in the chat room. Roger, if you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. I uh, would love to have you on and trade. Major League Baseball is getting closer right now. It's getting close. When are pitchers? Have pitchers and catchers reported yet? Uh, no, they haven't yet. No, not yet. How far is that away? About a month? Yeah, we're about uh, maybe a month and a half out maybe. Yeah, I saw a video today Sonny Clark posted on there. I don't know if this brings back memories, but Robin Ventura, for the White Sox charging uh, Nolan Ryan in that game. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I think everybody in the world remembers that. Where were you when Nolan Ryan kicked the crap out of Robin Ventura? (laughs) That was a a great game. Trey, and, and, you know, looking at the – I don't know how much you've watched, really, the NBA, but – you know, there's the Lakers right now, man. They're they're terrible. I don't know if you've got a chance to watch much NBA, but what I've watched so far this year, I realize that Indiana is the best team in the NBA, and Oklahoma City is going to be very tough to beat in the West. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State needs a healthy Russell Westbrook back to, I think, compete when it comes down to playoff time. Um, you know, and, and the Clippers need a healthy Chris Paul. There's a lot of injuries right now in the NBA, you know, I, We'll have to see. I mean, the Pacers, I think, are the, clearly the most complete team. But remember, I mean, they they had, um, you know, they had their, their moments against, I guess, uh, Miami last year, but ultimately they didn't have the horses to win it. So I don't know if, not, I don't know if they match up as well with the Miami Heat, but we'll have to see. How did the Miami Heat, Trey, 
get, I mean, they're 32 and 12 right now, which is not bad, but for them it is. How do they, they get through these, these dog days really till they get to the playoffs and, and, and stay focused? I mean, all these guys do is win championships and play on big stages. So how are they going to keep from, from slipping really? I already see it. I mean, they, they've slipped a lot since last year. Yeah, we'll have to see how focused they are when it comes to playoffs. I mean, it does seem like they're at cruise control a lot during the year. Um, and we'll have to see if they can turn it on. You know, I, the, way, the, hung, the hungry as the Pacers are, uh, that's going to be an epic series. And you know they're going to meet in the playoffs. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And real, real quick, we're going to look at the Super Bowl, and we're going to get out of here tonight. But like I said, Wednesday night, we're going to start our show at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, but Marquise Grissom's going to join us for a live interview at, at 9 o'clock. I wonder if Roger remembers, scorekeeper remembers Marquise Grissom. He played out in San Francisco, L.A., even coached at the Nationals, but, but Trey, this Super Bowl coming up is going to be one for the ages, and I don't know if you've seen the point spread, but I think Denver is just a small favorite over the Seattle Seahawks. Would, would you favor them over Seattle right now on a neutral, on a neutral field? No, given the fact that the neutral field is, is in New York, um, you know I don't. Sorry, I, I just think I think Seattle has a little bit of the edge right now. And if I was making the, if I was making the line, that's that's where I would be. I just think that um, I just you know that defense, Peyton Manning in the cold weather. I know he's proven this year at times that he can play in the cold weather well. But I mean, Seattle is just so physical physical when it comes to the defensive side. And I just wonder if, you know, the officiating is going to be interesting in this game, how much hand-checking and how much contact they allow, because that'll, that might be actually the, the deciding factor is how much contact is allowed against Welker, Decker, and Demarius Thomas. Yeah, I mean, I look at it, and it's going to be snowing. It's going to be in the 20s, the temperature. And I think it's colder than, in Seattle than it is in Denver. But the problem I see is the offense of Seattle. You know, Denver's defense is not great by no stretch, but neither Seattle's offense. I think that's where I look at this game, and we'll preview it a lot more uh, Wednesday night. But when I look at these two games, if I'm picking one right now, if I you had to, if I spent $1,000 on it right now, I'm going to take Peyton Manning because I just don't think Russell Wilson and that offense can outscore Denver. Even if Seattle shuts them down to 24 points, I don't think Seattle can score 24, Trey. I don't think Russell Wilson's that good. Well, I mean, you could be right. There's no about it. You know, Russell Wilson hasn't been uh, amazing in the postseason, uh, but he's been good enough to win. You know, the other thing is, is Seattle doesn't seem to have that playmaker at receiver who can come up with a big grab when they really need it. So, I mean, you know, this is going to be an interesting game. You know, how, how well can they hold Peyton in check and can that offense from Seattle – score on that defensive against the Denver, who's given up a lot of points this year. I mean, they've, they've given up points to a lot of teams. Well, I have to give kudos to you, Trey. You picked Denver and Seattle in the Super Bowl. You nailed it. Preseason, I had Denver-San Francisco, but I believe we both had Denver winning it, right? Yeah, and the, the start of the season, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know it could change, you know, game to game, but tell us about – all of this Sherman business going on right now is it is starting to die a little bit, just a little bit. But how much is that going to impact this game? Not all at the all. Trash I mean, talk he's done. Yeah, no, not at all. I think uh, 
when it comes down to the, when it actually gets played, I don't think it will. You know, it's interesting that um, yeah, I think Sherman got made the villain by a lot of people. And if you if you watch NFL films, you had them both mic'd up, and we tweeted it out, Carvin. I mean, Sherman goes up to him and says, "Good game," and, and it's Crabtree who shoved him in the face. As it was so. You know, I mean, that post-game comment, you know, so what, Carmen? I think it's a much to do about nothing to me. I thought it was hilarious, actually. But, you know, I, I just see the, the arrogance of this guy. But when you're as good as he is, you know, he didn't get on TV and cuss. He didn't get on there and call names. He just said he he's a sucky receiver. You put him on me, that's what's going to happen. But... Karen Andrews said after the game she wasn't bothered by that statement, Trey, but looking at her expression, you know, during the during the answer he was giving, I thought she was uh, worried. I thought like a terrorist was in the building or something. Well, uh, yeah. Well, actually, I think what she was listening to, obviously I think she was a little surprised it happened, but uh, I guess they were <laughs> – she was shocked when they, when they basically pulled the plug on the interview. Fox pulled it early. I think and she said in the post game that she was very surprised and in her ear when Fox was like, we're done, uh, that, that yeah, I think she wanted to continue and see what else he would say. Well, I mean, it's just going to get the ratings up higher and higher, and I guarantee you millions more will view this Super Bowl that normally wouldn't view the Super Bowl because, A, Tate Manning's uh, chance to win the Super Bowl, but, but his comment, people now are intrigued to watch this game to see how he performs against the best of all time, and that's Peyton Manning, Trey. So I, I think the ratings on this game are going to break the records of all Super Bowls. I mean, this is going to be the most watched Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls. What do you think? Well, I mean, each year there's more and more TVs and more morales, so we're going to continue to break the record. I mean, this is going to be a very watched Super Bowl just because, I mean, you have the, the, two, of the two best teams this year in the, in the NFL actually playing the game. Yeah, it's it's gonna be entertaining and I, I hope I hope Peyton Manning gets that ring again. He deserves it. And I know Roger hates that word, scorekeeper hates the word deserves, but you heard me, Roger. Peyton Manning deserves this Super Bowl. So we'll see. And we're gonna break this down Wednesday night, but I want your thoughts being a lawyer, Trey, in Penn State right now going on. They're they're coming back, they're doing another investigation with this Sandusky, you know, all this stuff. But it seems like, to me, Penn State was hiding some of the sexual assaults on campus during this Sandusky era. I don't know if you've read about that or heard about it, but from a lawyer's standpoint, why would they be doing this? Yeah, I, I haven't heard about it, so I'm a little, I'm a little dark on that one, Tar, but I, yeah, I can't think of any reason why they would be opening this back up. But I think they were covering it up just, just to keep the feds or anybody coming in from investigating and finding this this Sandusky stuff. So this is going to be very interesting. And just when Franklin goes there, the savior of Vanderbilt football now goes to Penn State. I mean, this, this team could be in hot water. Do you think the NCAA would add punishment to Penn State if, if legally they find something else? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, because they've already sort of been punished for Sandusky, but um, yeah, I'll say no, Carvin. But you know, who knows? The NCA does stuff all the time that we don't think they're going to do. Well, I mean, this is this is interesting to me, man. When I saw this come back out, I, I just never felt closure when it came to to this investigation and everything. So I just want to throw that out there, Trey. You got to do your homework, man. When it comes to stuff, this is your field. <laughs> I, I, I've never had a man. 
<laughs> I'm joking. And uh, I forgot to ask you about uh, Charlie Strong of Texas. I, I don't know if we really discussed this too much, going back to college football just for a moment, but what kind of impact do you think he's going to make at Texas coming in with his new staff and, and, and his hard work mentality? He's got a blue-collar mentality. How's that going to benefit Texas this year coming in before we leave? Well, I mean, they're already a top 15 in the recruiting class. I don't think they get there on Mac Brown. I mean, but I think you're going to see it in that regard immediately. Um, but he's going to have to put up on the field as well because these recruits are interested, Tarvin. I think he's got them interested in the program. Uh, but he's going to have to go out there and actually start winning to really sort of close the deal and make sure Texas is back. Because right now, I think it's just intrigued, Tarvin. That's all it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. we're gonna see what happens. And I don't know if you heard, but the Dallas Cowboys, Brent got 180 days in jail. You know, for the Josh Brent, 180 days for you know the drunk driving incident that killed his teammate. Do you think that's enough time, or do you think they took it easy on the guy? Well, you know, I I was surprised, but I don't know. I heard rumors that. Um, the victim's family was, you know, very strong in support of him. And, you know, it's, when you're when you're deciding someone's time in prison and you're taking that liberty, if the victim seems to be you know, asking for leniency or the victim's family, and it goes a long way when it comes to sentencing procedures. So if that's what happened, Harvin, I can see why he was given sort of uh, leniency. Well, all right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. It is Sunday night. We're going to see you Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern with a big show lined up. Marquise Grissom will be with us. If you love baseball, and I know, Roger, you do, make sure you join us for the live interview. This will not be taped. And Trey's working on some recruiting experts for us. And, Trey, possibly Gus Malzahn is going to be joining us after signing day. Just want to throw that out there. Wow, buddy. Don't throw it out there unless you can put it up with it. That's awesome. There's a possibility now. And it's it's close, but we'll see what happens. But guys, thanks for joining us. It's glad to get really back on the air again and and just get back here and talk some sports, what we love to do. Trey, this is where our numbers usually explode the most is after college football season's over. It's weird, but this time of year is when people start wanting to listen to to college and NFL talk. So we'll be following the NFL draft and that's one thing, Trey, we have to break down like we did last year. I know Couch Potato, Roger, and all them, they do their draft shows. We're going to do one as well. Could this be the best NFL draft of all time? No. No, I mean, it could it be. I mean, Tarvin, I mean, it's possible. But, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is the year that they, you know, there's, you know, 15 guys who can be going, you know, number one. It's not that kind of depth. To it. uh, but, it is a, you know, it is an intriguing draft, Tarvin. You know, last year, you and I kind of hit some home runs in our draft coverage, so we'll have to talk about that as well. I thought we hit grand slams, man. Forget the home runs. But if I see Johnny Manziel go to Cleveland in the first round, I think I could puke, man. If I see him go to the Texans and number one overall pick, I think we'll, we'll bump it together, buddy. Yeah, but I cannot wait till we get into this coverage. And we're going to wait until after the Super Bowl. After we we get through that, we're going to start our NFL draft coverage. It's going to be awesome. I mean, sports talk gets fun this time of year, so I'm I'm excited. And thanks, Roger, for joining us on the show, Bruce, as well. Uh, we got a lot of live listeners right now. I've been looking, but not in the chat room for some reason. 
Tonight's kind of dead in their chat room, so maybe we can get that kicking back up pretty soon. But, Trey, we'll see you Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, buddy. Take care and have a great week.